and it hits me, oh my gosh, this is that triangle. You know, there's explanation for everything that occurred in the Rendlesham Forest incident that doesn't involve aliens at all. It was completely silent. It comes right over our heads. He saw a classic flying saucer really standing in the clearing. He turned over to my father and held his hand and he looked in his eyes and he said, we're not alone. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Martin Willis, your host. So I have retired F-16 pilot uh, Chris Lato on. I can't wait to talk to him. He was on this show back in last July. He has been kicking UFO or UAP butt ever since. So I can't wait to have him on the show and discuss what he has been up to in the last several weeks. Uh, tomorrow at this very same time right here on YouTube and Facebook and I think Twitch, yes, uh, I'm going to be talking about History Channel's season premiere of the skin, the mystery, what is it, the secret of Skinwalker Ranch. That's the name of it. And I have uh, the owner of the ranch, Brandon Fugel, and the lead scientist, Eric Bard. They're both going to be on. Eric's going to be um, talking to us right from the Skinwalker Ranch itself. So check that out. That's tomorrow night. And that's also going out in the podcast feed as as usual. A, a few weeks ago, I mentioned a friend of the show started a podcast called Nightmare Houses, and that's coming to KGRA Radio as well at 1 a.m. ET Saturdays. So uh, that's for all you night owls out there, people on the West Coast, check that out. I have the link to that down in the show notes and down in the YouTube uh, text. So check that out. The, the latest one is called Breeze Knoll. It's a place in Connecticut, and what a story that is. You got to check that podcast out. Next week, we're going to be at James Fox Compound in Vermont, and we're going to be talking about his latest film called The uh, Virginia uh, Crash. It, it is a heck of a, I checked that out. I was lucky enough to see the, um, to see the final cut of that. And he just has to tune it up a little bit. It's going to be a great movie. Oh, uh, speaking of who we have on tonight, on the 17th of May, I also have uh, Air Force fighter pilot Sean Cahill. He'll be on the show. I've just given that out there now since I have Chris on. And, okay, this week's blog is a UFO creature report from Kofu Japan, part two. So we already had that first one up last week. And that gets turned into an audio blog. That's also put in the podcast feed. And uh, one last thing, um, I never like to talk about money or money issues, but I have noticed that our Patreon, for some reason, maybe I said something wrong, I'm not sure, but our subscription level has gone way down, like a, a quarter of what it used to be. So uh, we're we're just barely in the black. So if anyone wants to help out, you can see our Patreon uh, support page over at podcastufo.com. It's also down in the uh, the link below in the YouTube channel. So um, I do appreciate, I greatly appreciate everyone that does support the show. And anyone can do that for $2 or more a month. Um, and I do appreciate every single listener. Okay, that is enough housekeeping. And I'm bringing in our guest, Chris. Welcome back. I'm happy to be here, man. I just signed up for your Patreon. Oh, wow. It worked already. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. You should put some higher, I uh, think it's $5 is the most we can get. Uh... Oh, no, no, it goes it, okay, it goes okay. up, yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about a higher thing later. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, happy to be here, man. I, I, Yeah, I remember that show. That was my first real live show. I remember it clearly. Uh, yeah. You know, I think I'll never forget it. 
Yeah, really yeah. kind of. Uh, I remember getting the the request, you know, to go on the UFO show. You, you and uh, initially, I was like, you know, I don't yeah. know. You know, it's yeah. it's all about UFOs. I'm I'm not a UFO guy. You know, <laughs> I remember that. But uh, but I but I did it, and I'm and I'm happy I did. You know, I think you really helped, kind of uh, mentored me in the, in ways. You know, I appreciate it. Well, yeah, and I was really lucky enough to be on your your stream one time. That was yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, I was, was like, hey, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, 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 it was great. I learned a ton. Yeah, I was really well, happy to have ask you the questions. Yeah, right, right. So I noticed uh, you quickly surpassed all my YouTube uh, subscribers as far as numbers go. You've done very well. You're getting a lot of people paying attention to you. You've done a lot of work, and you talk about great physics things too. I'm really into a lot of that stuff. And like the double slit thing and, you know, the consciousness, consciousness, I, I hope we get into that topic a little bit some point at some point this evening, because that really is such a mystery. And, you know, I've tried to understand all of that. And I think after watching your video, I understood a little bit more than I did. Okay. Um, in other Good. words, <laughs> if you just quickly in a nutshell, if you can, for those who are not familiar with the double slit theory, how that works is so yeah. so bizarre it's so bizarre yeah, yeah. it's uh, so i guess 1801 that's thomas yeah. young right. he's in he's in uh, the uk in england and he did this experiment where he just had two slits cut into a, into a wall uh and then he held up a light behind it and it basically what he proved is that light acts like a wave you know before that they were saying uh, they didn't know if it was particle or wave um, and so he did that experiment and because there's two slits, right? So the light goes through one slit and it goes through the other. And if you imagine water going through just a, 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 a wave, you know, if you imagine it's water, um, on the outside, you'll have a wave pattern, right? Like if you drop, uh, rocks into a pond, you know, you get a wave pattern out. Well, what happens is those two slits, it's like dropping two rocks in a pond. And now you get what's called, uh, interference right so you have a cooperative interference or destructive a constructive interference or destructive interference where they add together you know so waves can add together um, and so what happens is it gives you this wave pattern on the wall where the you'll kind of get these different bands of light you know not, many youtubers have done amazing videos you know veritasium he's done a great video uh explaining it um and it's really interesting when it when i guess to think about that, you know, <laughs> that way light that we, that we see, uh, you know, it comes through and it, and it acts, acts like a wave that just uh, very, very crazy. Um, so but the, then the, yeah, but also yeah. the consciousness is what can change something. The fact that we are observing, that is the most bizarre part of the whole thing. Yep. And exactly. there's, there's other yeah. things like that too, in quantum physics that once observed, it's totally different. And it doesn't matter how far away it's observed from. So it, it just, it's really head scratching. Yeah. The, and so the, the, the head scratcher is, um, that made sense. You know, back in the day, he, had, he just had a big light. Uh, well, as time went on, so the, the 1920s, basically, we have machines now where we can just shoot one electron. You know, so yeah. it's much more refined. So now they, sh they shot one electron. Um, through one of the holes, right? There's only shooting one. It can't go through both slits. Um, and what they found was is they would get the same pattern, that same wave pattern against the wall, right? So even one electron was somehow interfering with itself, right? And which, which that alone doesn't make sense. So so then they 
they thought, well, which hole does it go through? You know, which of the slits? And this is where the consciousness comes in. Because if, if you put a detector right behind one of the slits, uh, what happens is now you know which slit it goes through. And so what happens is it, it doesn't it doesn't act like a wave anymore. It acts like a particle. And it, it'll basically like you shoot a gun normally. You know, if, if you shoot the electrons like guns, uh, if you don't look which slit it goes through, it looks like a wave, right? But now if you try and figure out which slit it, it goes through, it's a particle. So that's where if you try and observe what happens, if you try and figure out the, the true information, it seems to like the, the wave function collapse, the probability function, which is really what quantum mechanics is. You know, the Schrodinger equation basically gives you the, the probability uh, probability of where the particle is going to hit, right? But it doesn't actually behave like a particle till we look at it. And that's where the consciousness comes in. And, and now is it is it basically our... Are we mentally able to affect this? Where does it come in that it, why does it turn into a particle? Uh, is, you know, yeah. it's just so and that, that can happen with the, one of the experiments, like even if it's online and someone is thinking about it, it, it you know, 5,000, I think they did 5,000 experiments with people. It doesn't matter where they're calling in from or, or watching it from. It could be on Mars. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it's still, it does the same thing, which is totally bizarre. And the entangle, entanglement thing is another thing that's really bizarre. But we're yeah. not really here to talk about all that, but it's still really fun, fun. Really well, I to think it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested in it because, um, for one thing, it's been baffling scientists, you know, for hundreds of years. Uh, you know, I've, and I have seen some, there are some YouTube videos. I, I need to d- dive into them deeper that say that it's not really... <laughs> that it's not really baffling scientists, you know, or something like we're just, we're just reading the results wrong for hundreds of years. Um, but for me, it's interesting because it leads into the realm of remote viewing, right? It yeah. leads into the realm of telekinetics, right? It leads into the realm of transferring information through some other medium, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you can if say, say the, the results are, are true, like you just mentioned, and, and just by thinking about an experiment and really focusing on it, uh, we can affect it, then you're proving that there's some other, there's some other medium at least that we can communicate through, you know, there's something else besides, uh, electromagnetic waves. So, yeah. And, and that would go and And that's what excites me about UAPs or it seems some, there's something there to me, it seems like. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've talked about it many times. It's a connection between everything somehow and everything's vibration, you know, that whole thing of, you know, you can't really touch matter, um, you know, it's, it's so bizarre and, uh, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, I know the show is on UFOs, UAP, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about no. that. Are you hesitant to use the term UFO or I, I see you, you know, use UAP a lot. Um, you know, I mean, is it the, the stigma thing or does it matter one way or the other with you? Um, I don't know, actually. Um, the UAP term doesn't seem as common. Like I, I still have to explain it a lot. Yeah. Um, and so if market, you know, you mentioned you're trying to bring money in, you're trying to bring funds, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to create this giant project. Um, so if yeah. they don't know what you're talking about, I don't, <laughs> maybe it's an advantage or not, not a disadvantage. I find myself sometimes, I, I don't care to use it. You know, I use UFO, you know, when you first sent me that email, it was a stigma, you know, I was like, well, I'm not a UFO person. Am I, you know, I didn't, yeah. I never thought of myself, you know, as going on UFO shows specifically. Um, so I, but but now I think it's just a, a term 
uh, it has less baggage, I guess, but to me it's, it's interchangeable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, when I first reached out to you, you did, uh, your video was something like I'm debunking the debunkers. And it was <laughs> yeah. basically Mick West's uh, opinion on the gimbal UFO video. I think that's what it was. And, yeah. and you went into great detail about that. So, uh, but you've, you've done a lot of great work, um, uh, out oh, there and has it been enjoyable, um, rewarding? Yeah, I mean, definitely super rewarding. Um, it's a lot of, it's it's very enjoyable. Uh, it's more rewarding than enjoyable, I guess. So I put it, you know, I'm just uh, uh, extremely curious, uh, I, and I and I do actually really want to know. You know, in my in my free time, I think I would search out for this stuff if I didn't have a YouTube channel. You know, I would I would be like I watch those videos on the weekends. You know, Saturday morning, I like watching crazy quantum videos or ufo yeah. you know stories yeah 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 i'm guilty of all that myself so uh so what are just if you would go over some of the the videos that you've done some of the um you know i i think i want to say that you've kind of made a few breakthroughs along the way on uh certain videos you've done and if you can a little bit of, of refresher um what you think about the gimbal ufo videos mm -hmm. that's out there and uh, have yeah. you looked into a lot of other ones as well since that time? Yeah, I've looked. Um, there hasn't been too many Navy releases. You know, um, what's what kind of brought me to the next level this year? It seems like it goes in jumps. You know, you mentioned the YouTube growth and everything. Uh, it seems like this was the introduction of, you know, better flying videos and related to the Navy uh, the uh, off the East Coast, you know, kind of the the pictures right you have the blimp the sphere uh and the acorn you know those those kind of photos are really interesting it was it was cool to get uh because you you know i could map it out to kind of i i could confirm it was inside an f-18 and then the navy confirmed that these uh images were legit essentially you know so the provenance was really good mm. um, so i did like that but it seems like we haven't really gotten anything else you know like no other no other major releases that i can think of for for Navy stuff, you know? Um, right. Well, um, you, now I saw you were on a the, show. The range fellers. Yeah. You were on a show with Lou Elizondo. Was that, mm -hmm. and, but there were other people involved. What, what was the situation there at that time? Uh, it was a round table on Artisan Tony's show with Alexei Novitsky. I see. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's uh we do round tables. Basically we meet uh, maybe every few weeks and we just chat. Basically we're just having long form discussions on whatever comes to our mind. Uh, you know, Alexei, he's uh, he does a part, he has physics background. Um, mm -hmm. But basically he has this very interesting, um, but novel theory of the universe, essentially, you know, basically how we're, you mentioned the vibrations. So that's kind of Alexei's thing is, um, Basically, we're all related in vibrational uh, levels, basically. I could explain it, but <laughs> it sounds like we would talk about something else. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that was it. And yeah, Lou was on that. That's the only time I've really uh, come, you know, talk with Lou. Uh, it was very interesting. I mean, he, I was very impressed. I mean, he, he answered questions or he asked many of the questions, actually, kind of drove, drove the whole interview and did drive my thinking in, you know, different ways and had me kind of question question some assumptions you know i just held which i, I appreciate right and you did a show on um uh, let's see 
the debrief did a story, I think it was called Sex and Lies and UFOs or something like that. And you did a yeah. show on that. And uh, I hadn't really uh, read through the debrief um, article until I until I watched your video. And uh, but but you saw a lot of what goes on firsthand in the, in the past and uh, and and similar people with that, uh, whatever you want to call it. I know what you termed it in your own video. <laughs> <D-bag>. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, uh, but, but you, there is a lot of that. There is some of that in the military. And I, I know that just from, you know, people, friends of mine, um, that you have to yeah. kind of, you have to deal with that and, and choose what, what to do with it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you have to remember this. I mean, this people got to that position, you know, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it's very, very hard to be a general is extremely hard, you know, um, so just getting to that position takes a certain type of person, you know, that, uh, yeah, they, they're hardcore, you know, they devote everything to that their whole life, essentially, you know, is devoted right. to that. And it's, and I also, I tried to relate and yeah, I was fired up in that. And, um, people are people, you know, I don't think I would do anything necessarily different, or I, I can't say that you or me would do anything different. And I, I would hope so. Um, but you have to remember you're under so much pressure from the system, you know, that, that's yeah. really my belief is that you're just, you're just a, a small piece of a very, very large giant system. And so, I don't know. I don't think it lets them out of making those, those decisions. You know, they, they have to live with them. Right. But I think it, you know, it, it, we shouldn't be surprised, you know, we shouldn't be surprised when the war, you know, the war kick off, you know, it's, they have always kicked off. You know, I, I think we should we should just sigh and say, look, we you know, how can we stop this? But, you know, the shock and surprise is, is just I don't know. It's kind of funny, I guess. To me. Yeah. Uh, this uh, comes up here from R&R. Your review of the Turkey UFO video was a game changer. Um, wow. Cool. So anyway, uh, when he showed people in his family, that's that's pretty yeah, nice. awesome. So, yeah, the, the Turkey UFO, I think I was on your show about that time when you were yes. looking into that. And so that's that's been kind of a controversial, uh, you know, some people have claimed that it's an, a, a camera anomaly, but it's just it's really a bizarre image. I'm going to see uh, uh, while you're talking uh, what what. Well, first of all, what it, after all your work you did on that, hmm. uh, what do you think? What's your general consensus of that? I, my general consensus is I'm still not sure, I guess. Y- you know, I, I, I do want to go. It's just weird to me that it just stopped as well. You know, it's like there was 2007. They had the mass sightings in the summer in Turkey, you know, up by Istanbul. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's 2008 again. They had mass sightings in in the same area. And then 2009, uh, they had all the videos, uh, but really from one guy, Yalman. Um, yeah, and he got this all is these it up on the photos. up on the screen there for those of you watching uh, watching live now. Uh, that was just one picture, but if you look in, if you focus in, it almost looks like two heads right in the very center. And there are pictures of that. I'm going to see if I can find one of that. That looks it does kind of look like two beings, but I mean, so that was all from mm-hmm. one one particular camera or one. Uh, film yeah, so he he's a night guard. And it's right. He he was basically a guard for one of these um, uh, Tatilkoyu. What is that? A vacation village. <laughs> and uh, 
I hope to go there this summer. Actually, I, I met some Turks just at this last conference. Actually, uh, Europeans that moved to Turkey, and they were like, "Yeah, come. You know, we'll help you. You know, we can help you out." And I asked them, "Is it safe and everything?" They said, "Yeah." So it's. I'll hopefully. I I think I'll go this summer and try and track that guy down, Yalman. Um, but basically, he's able to zoom in over the over the uh, the Bosphorus there, and he has this extra doubling uh some sort of lens on the end that can actually double it again so it's like zoomed in 400 times so it's quite zoomed in oh yep and yeah i I mean yeah you look up there now yeah yeah look at it looks they sure look like two beings don't they (laughs) and uh uh also they (laughs) move they move or they have moved in the in the video it would be awful hard to fake something like that but um like you say, the jury's still out on on that. Yeah, because I when I zoomed in, I you know I used my computer and I um, stabilized it, and mm-hmm. I zoomed way in, and you know for the for the several seconds I could get it stabilized, I couldn't see any movement. I didn't see oh, any really? obvious movement. Yeah, like the they were like moving around or talking or anything, or it just looked like stationary, which kind of just I don't know, maybe it's something weird, but I mean it, it it's it hasn't been fully debunked as far as I know, it hasn't been debunked. You know, the biggest argument is it's a cruise ship. That's what they said on Metabunk on their website. And that just took off. Right. So then everyone's like, it's a cruise ship. Um, but it, it, you know, I have one example in there. In my video is, is the moon, right? So they have it in, uh, in relation to the moon, which it was the, the phase of the moon you can get by the, by the video as well. And it matches the date and it matches the time. And so based off of that, the moon is 14 degrees above the horizon. And that makes the actual uh, object, ship or whatever you want to call it, seven degrees above the horizon. So if it's seven degrees above the horizon, I mean, there's no way it can be a cruise ship. I mean, it would have to be miles off the planet, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so if assuming that's correct, and I don't see how it isn't, you know, there was some I was looking on Mick West's site and he was saying that... uh, this could be a mast of a ship and, but it doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense to me. It looks like uh, it look what he says is a mast of a ship clearly looks like a, uh, a light post, a lamppost that they have all around that area, you know? So it seems like it's seven degrees above the horizon unless, so then that would lead me to believe is uh, if it is not real, then it's like just an elaborate hoax, you know, which would really suck. It would really suck. Yeah. Now, but then I, you hear about that because yeah. when I talk to you, the reason I talked to you is because you had interviewed uh, Roger, Roger Lear. Lear. Yeah. And he ha- he was there and he, he said, said he I was looked there. through the telescope. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I looked through the telescope and I saw this thing. And to me, I mean, are we just not going to believe all these people that say that? I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I would like to know if there's other people involved also. You know, I mean, he was one person yep. I spoke with. But are you know? I mean, what is the general uh, James Mason? I heard James Mason was there, which is interesting because I I think he's going to the UFO disclosure, the symposium, basically twenty seven May that I'm that I'm speaking at as well. Oh, let's talk about that. Where's that going to be? Yeah, I should put that up behind. Actually, it's a uh, so that's yeah. Vernal, Utah. This is gonna be the first conference I've gone to. I'm I'm excited, man. It's it's pumped. The speaker list is totally full. Uh, we have Travis Taylor, Avi Loeb's going to be there. Uh, I'll be there in a group. We, we'll have uh, some disclosure for sure, stuff coming out. There's going to be the Cousin Brothers. 
they're uh, going to have a video uh, or I guess a new documentary that they're releasing. So oh. that'll be in Vernal, Utah, 27, 29 May, Megacon. It's mega disclosure, Megacon. Oh, I wish Go I'd ahead. known that about about that prior uh, in advance. Uh, might, it might be something I would be uh, willing to come out to. Now, when you say the cousin That'd be awesome. brothers, that would the be cousin, great. Yeah. The cousin brothers, so they the cousins not, brothers. I I didn't know them. I'm, so, I'm sorry. They're, they're not from that YouTube channel, are they? No, they make no. they make documentaries. Um, I think it was about. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who was in it, but maybe maybe. Oh, okay. Somebody. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard of him, but I know Avi Loeb will be there. Uh, we have an event planned uh, the first day. We're going to have an event related to this uh, this project. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the, the project. Yeah, so I hope that'll be cool. Yeah. So yeah. what is the project exactly? Yeah. So the project. Uh, so basic. the question is, you know, what's the number one place or wh where would you actually invest to actually get some of this evidence made? You know, what's. Say you're out there, you want to invest, you want to you want to put your money where your mouth is or your mouth where your money is and help move the needle, you know, help find evidence for UAPs. What, what would you do? What would I do? Yeah. Uh, in, in what way? What, you mean? I guess where's, the, where's a place where UAP enthusiasts can come together and discuss projects and actually work on finding science? You know, because yeah. if you look at if you look at our our science now, um, it's all organized. It's all based on funding that they can receive. That's right. right? You know, all the yeah. scientists are like, well, why guys, why didn't you? Why aren't you looking at UAPs? And they're always like funding, you know, so it's uh, and, but then you look at, OK, yeah. well, let's say I have funding. Right. Let's say I want to fund science. You know, where can you give it, you know? I guess you could send it Galileo project. You could, you could uh, give it to UAPX, right? I'm sure they could, they could use it, you know, but then, um, yeah, there's, there's just all these communities, right? There's no one place where you can really like orient the community towards a goal. You know, there's right. all these disparate projects going yeah. around. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the point is basically why we partnered with some big groups or names in the space and basically to create a community where scientists can be there and we can bring the funding together <laughs> and, and that's it, you know. Now, does it happen? Does the Galileo project part of this? No, I think of this as a grassroots um, friendly competitor to the Galileo project. I see. And how's that going to launch and how's that going to work exactly? Yes. So we have some exciting plans. <laughs> but that I can't that I can't relay or get in trouble from my team is basically how it works. But I will say <laughs> the Megacon disclosure will be the first kind of big, uh, big notice on what we're releasing. All right. So, that, so, yeah. so what I'm, be... I guess, guess what I'm going to have to ask you to do is uh, to get back in touch with me after that. And I'll put information into the show notes of this show so people can check back. Um, okay. Well, I can show, I mean, I can give you a teaser here of, uh, if they yeah. want. Yeah. Are you going to share sure. a screen or something? Yeah. Let me share okay. your screen. Yeah. Sure. And by the way, your videos are really good. You have all kinds of things going on in those. For the YouTube videos. Yes. You do a really good job of awesome. that. So, all right. So what do we got here? So this is it. This is all we're giving away right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> for those who seek the truth of revolutions begun, it all starts with 42. And um, so, yep, you can log here at uh, uapsociety.com uh, and we'll send updates or my Patreon. I, my patrons, so one benefit I give them is um, they get first access to everything. So that's okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> we have Douglas Adams quote here. I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I've ended up where I needed to be Douglas Adams. Yeah, I like that one. That's good. Yep. So, so true. Yeah. All right. That's well, uh, let's see. Whoops. I'm trying to, uh, no, you did it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, but actually the, I mean, what we're trying to do is leverage web 3.0, which is really all the technology that's coming on board right now with blockchain technology. Uh, we want to use, um, decentralized storage that can't be destroyed essentially. So if you want to save files for many, many years and make sure that they are verifiable, if you want to confirm evidence, uh, if you want to fund experiments, if you want to write proposals to get funded for experiments. So is this, yeah, is this, this like a, <laughs> is this so, sort of like an open source also type of thing? The whole goal is to get open source evidence. Like that is the whole goal to find the truth with open source. Everybody funds it. And the, and the, but, but the one agreement is the information has to be open source at some point. I think we'll delay it maybe like a week or two. Mm -hmm. For you know, people for people that are invested in the project, they can get access to the information sooner. Um, but that's the idea to to bring together the science. The scientists are already there. You know, UAPX at any moment could go do probably some pretty sweet project. You know, um, and we could fund it with this, or someone could fund even just one trip. You know, they say we're going to go to Hesteland. Mm -hmm. You know, they have all the crazy guys. They're going to run out there with all this equipment, and they have tons of equipment. You know, they, they go to Skinwalker Ranch. I, you know, we don't have to go to Skinwalker Ranch. You know, we could pay, pay somebody. Uh, yeah, you're actually going to be out. That's not where you're going is yeah. not far from there, right? Yes. Yeah, so we'll yeah. go to Blind Frog Ranch. That's actually um, yeah. who's supporting it. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask uh, the owner of Skinwalker Ranch something tomorrow off air. We'll see what he says. Um, I would love to do a show from Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know, but... Uh, I'm going to quickly change the subject and put this up here. So this is a question to you um, from another U.S. Air Force vet. Please ask Chris to comment. Uh, UAP uh, don't okay. seem to interact with atmosphere. Mock, uh, as not Mac, he meant to say mock, or show hmm. inertial mass. Also, the transmedium, definitely not ours. What is your comment on that? I mean, it certainly seems what all the from all the stuff we're getting from Lou, you know, they haven't released any more information, but what we've seen is, yeah, there's the, the key thing is there's no sound. I know. That's so weird. It yeah. is. It, it really is. You know, I, I, I mentioned to this while I was on the move on show, they asked me about my UFO sighting and the number one weirdest thing for me and my UFO sighting was that this thing is moving. It's stopping and moving again. And there's absolutely no sound. It's dead quiet. And that was the most eerie part of my sighting. And I I never knew, uh, you know, I went years before I ever heard someone else say, oh, yeah, and it made no sound. That is kind of a common denominator, you know, between a lot of UFO sightings. You rarely hear, every once in a while you hear someone will say, oh, yes, it made a humming noise or a buzzing noise or, or, or a high-pitched noise, something like that. But it's really rare. It's really rare that they make any sound at all. 
bizarre. I was surprised by that. Yeah, I remember actually talking about that on your show. Um, I, I remember being surprised that they're all <laughs> no sound, you know, there's or I, I don't know. I remember uh, Nick Pope. He said that uh, they get a humming sound, a deep bass humming sound from if you're close to it. Yeah. Or close to some object. You, the, I asked what type. He said a large triangle or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've yeah, heard. I, I've also heard that about a triangle I, uh, from someone that claims they witnessed one and they felt pressure from it. And they also said that there was a, a like a humming, a very low humming noise. Yeah, so the no sound and the trans-dimensional, the no mock, yeah, it all seems like it's not really there. It's like a light. That's where I was thinking maybe it's like a wave, you know? Hmm. Um, and then, but, and that's how it can just move freely, you know, like light. Light is like a wave. It can just move freely, um, you know, can't go through hard objects. There's certain objects can't go through, but um, yeah, but, and then, when you hear about it causing some sort of sound, then it doesn't fit, you know, then it's kind of weird. So maybe that's where we're seeing different types of, of vehicles or different, at least different types of propulsion. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we probably are. I mean, from what I've heard all, all over these years that I've been doing this is people are seeing different things. Um, and occasionally two people will be standing together and see a different thing which which may go back to um, the consciousness type of situation, the interaction somehow. And I don't know, can you explain what your thoughts? I mean, I've been asked many times on, you know, from emails and listeners, like, uh, what is the consciousness connection? And I, I've never been able to quite explain that. Um, what do you, how do you think that consciousness may play a role when it comes to people seeing a UFO or UAP? <laughs> well, I, I guess it's um, it's related to kind of what you said, is where you have two people and they, they see different things. I think it was in Lekatsky's book, you know, Skinwalkers of the Pentagon, where he's, he was there, I think, on the ranch, and he saw basically some UAP in another room, but no one else saw it. Yeah. Um. So for me, it relates to that that other pathway. There's some other pathway where we can receive information. And if you think about consciousness, it's just a crazy concept in itself. You know, before I was here, I was, where was I, <laughs> you know? And then if I, why am I able to see what's going on and, and experience this uh, if I'm going to die, right? Like, how can I experience this now if I'm going to be nothing at some point in the future? You know, and I was nothing before, um, right? So I've always just been kind of enamored with with consciousness in its in its uh, case. It's just a crazy thing. But uh, how it relates to UAPs is it would be this other maybe pathway of information exchange. You know, if there is telekinetic pathways, if there is, um, yeah, if you can affect things with your mind mentally, then it, it shows that we're more than just our our bodies, I guess. And then that would that would could go some way to explaining some of these these uh, weird events, you know, the high strangeness or. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I've also heard after talking to Leslie Kane, you know, I interviewed her as well. And she's did that whole study on surviving death. And so for her, she thought there was clearly a connection between UAPs and consciousness. And so for her, and it was, she said that uh, Whitley Strieber, uh, he wrote in his book, he wrote that, 
when people see UAPs, they will often see ghosts as well, and vice versa. If people, when people supposedly see ghosts, uh, they see UAPs. So there's, she was, she's very, uh, you know, or not confident, but she, when I interviewed her, she was, yeah, really interested in that connection. Yeah, um, yeah, I have heard of things like that, and and it doesn't stop there. You know, I mean, it gets into the crypto stuff too. You know, uh, people talk about Bigfoot. I've had people talk about that. Um, you know, there's a lot of weird things happening all at once. Um, I talk now and then with Paul Eno. He does a radio show uh, down around Rhode Island somewhere and uh, Providence, I think. And he, um, his thought is that everything is connected. UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, anything paranormal is connected. And he thinks it's all interdimensional. And, you know, I got to say that's as good of an answer as any answer that you could have. I have no idea. And, you know, the one thing that does when it gets back to um, I had someone on the show, uh, a scientist was on the show that's saying that we manifest this. That's what we're doing. We're manifesting a UFO. And so I questioned him. I said, okay, what about the Phoenix lights? There are thousands and thousands of witnesses and what about um, Tinley Park? Uh, you know, many hundreds of witnesses, things like that in Chicago. And uh, many, there's many mass sightings. I don't really remember what his his reply. He had some reply that really made people in the chat room go, get angry. I forget what it was. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but how how would that work if we're, our consciousness is how these things somehow manifest? when it's a mass sighting. I mean, I don't see how it could. Um, yeah, I don't see, you know, uh, I think, I mean, I've been, so then I've been researching once you get into the, the consciousness, you know, once you pull the thread on the consciousness, <laughs> Keeps it's going. like the woo, yeah. you know, everybody's like, stay away from the woo, you know, but then <laughs> and there's a lot of woo uh, in the subject. I don't know what yeah, to tell so you. Like, yeah. I mean, I saw a UFO. That's kind of woo, guys. You know, yeah. um, I just want to throw that out there, you know, but whatever. <laughs> there, there's everybody has a line. Um, yeah. Yeah. But when you start pulling back the consciousness, uh, you know, what I th what I think is that we, we're all I think we could agree that it's a shared experience. You know, we're all seeing. Um, we're all different, at least entities in this dimension of a shared experience. Uh, and, and so in that case, uh, I think if you had, that's why I really like the mass sightings, you know, I, I was, I've been trying to look into Phoenix lights more. Um, but right now I'm in the, uh, looking at crop circles or trying to, um, but the mass sightings is really interesting to me because I, yeah, uh, that doesn't work. Right. You, you can always say it's one source, that person, you know, they were on drugs, they were crazy, you know, or that camera yeah. has glare in it. You know, yeah. but now you have two and now you have two cameras and you're like, oh, geez, you know, what about two people? All right. Well, they were both on drugs. OK. Yeah. Uh, you know, once you get more sources, it, it does knock that out, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's 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 quite interesting to me, um, but it, it, it would mean there's another pathway. If anything, my study of UAPs is um, it's opened my eyes to or my mind, I guess, to to looking for more more things you know we don't know nearly as much as we think we know yes so by finding that out just just proving that pathway even if we don't 
solve the UAP phenomena, you know, we don't figure out what the phenomena is, we still improve our understanding. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, that's why it's also exciting for me. Well, I, also, I love the subject, you know, I love, I love future technology, you know, I love progressing. I love pointing out uh, hypocrisies. And, um, and I would love to find, you know, find the truth and maybe just, if anything, to give us more understanding about the universe. Right. You know, if it's so, if it, it sounds like it's very difficult to know what it is. It's very elusive, right? Mm-hmm. It's been 80 years. Yeah. Uh, we still don't have any good photos, really. I mean, we yeah. don't have any super clear video. That, I, it, however you cut it, that's weird, you know? Yeah. Um, and then are we going to be, you know, with great CGI getting better and better all the time, we're going to be able to trust what we see in the future? It's going to be awful hard, you know, to, to figure it out. Um, you know, if CGI can at one time be... Um, unprovable that it's CGI, that'll be tough. And and we're heading in that direction, really. So um, I had an interesting comment. I was speaking with a friend last night and she said, uh, wherever we are in time, we're at the top of our technological, you know, crest, no <laughs> yes. matter where we always. are. Yeah. Always. <laughs> well, you go down. I mean, you do go down. Yeah. There has been, there's been yeah. slipbacks like the, you know, during the Egyptians, you know, the Romans, they, they had, they were doing yeah. brain surgery and then there was a, yeah, a step back, you know, from there. So yeah, we forgot yeah. to go to the moon. We forgot how, right. Really. You know, we went how many, 1269, 52 yeah. years ago, well, 50, what is it? Or 50, yeah. I can't, what, I, mean, I can't do quick math like that, but uh, I think 53 years ago, I guess. So, yeah, um, I know that, that is a really bizarre thing, isn't it? You know, they, the computer power of yeah. what they had back then was a key fob on a uh, on a car today that that's how much <laughs> you know that's what they compare it to it's really amazing if you if you really think about what they had and how they were able to do that it's quite it's almost like a miracle it's quite amazing yeah it is and and what um but when you get into space once you get out of the atmosphere what the atmosphere really confuses a lot of things it's difficult to deal with it but once you get into space actually um, you don't have to deal with all the atmosphere stuff. So lasers can work really well now. Um, mm. That's one idea f- um, is uh, basically to put uh, lasers in space on satellites. We can put them on, uh, like make a big laser interferometer, uh, test for gravity waves. You can listen for gravity waves. But um, not, not you're not talking weapons, like laser weapons. No, that's the whole point. <laughs> is That's what pisses me off. You know, it's like all the... I went to these last two conferences. I went to a conference in Lisbon and one in Paris for uh, non-fungible uh, tokens. So crypto, you know, I, I love crypto. Um, I, yeah, I think it's the next, it is the next internet, Web 3.0. I would bet my life right now that um, the decentralized internet is is, is going to be it. And it's going to be blockchain technology uh, with NFTs overlaid on it. You know, you're talking a foreign language to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I say all these things. Uh, I would, yeah. I would like to know yeah. more about it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it would be fascinating. But it, yeah, I have, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. But, yeah, I, you should. Uh, learn, I, I have Martin. heard about. I've heard about learn. these auctions where some things have gone at auction for crazy money. And and was it non? What's it called? Non fungible. Uh, yeah, NFTs is like the buzzword. It's it's one small piece of the technology puzzle. Um, and it's so easy to make them and sell them um, that basically there's a thousand, ten thousand projects that come up every day, you know, and there's there's probably nothing behind them, actually. Hmm. You know, it's, it's like a 99. It's like 1999 in San Francisco. 
basically you have the, you have this new technology that comes out everybody sees it um, understands that it's breakthrough but now they're trying to find these use cases for it uh-huh. but it's it, it's very good it'll bring in what it'll bring in is it'll ver it verifies trust uh, digitally so you can verify that something's digitally valid um, and and if you think and about nobody it, can nobody can put a virus to it or change it somehow so it no like i mean how secure is secure it's more secure than anything we've had in the history of humans history of humans yeah wow yeah yeah we'll have to talk about that (laughs) yeah 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 Uh, like uh, that's the thing like that's all the the mining that they're using on bitcoin that's Mm -hmm. that is that whole network is using all of its processing power so that you can't defeat it. And, and that's all it does. It does it does database management. It's just a database. But it it verifies the hell out of that database with thousands and thousands of computers all around the world. So the NSA can't crack it, you know? Wow. They, they, wow, they, they, NSA can't crack it. Wow, no. I, ha- I had bought a, like a $100 worth of Bitcoin way back. Yes. And uh, not way, way back, but way back enough to like... It's uh, astonishing what happened to it, you know. Yeah. So, do you still have it, or did you keep it? I do. I do still it? have it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Way I, more I, than I haven't then. checked on it in a long any. time, but yeah. I wish I had more Bitcoin. Yeah. It. it well, the, it's just one form of the technology. Um, it's like the the one trick pony. You know, that's all it does is it, it burns tons of energy to secure the network, so that nobody can can break it essentially. Um, but there's many now they're making hundreds of other blockchains that are much faster, much cheaper, but they don't have nearly the security. Obviously, you know, that's all Bitcoin. Has. It's a database. You know, where are the ones and zeros? And that's it. <laughs> that's it. But now you the security aspect of it, what people don't understand is um, as long as you do a few simple things to secure your assets, it's way, way safer. It's way more secure. Right. But like you, we just don't, you don't know what that is yet. Like you wouldn't send your credit card. uh, You wouldn't send all your credit card numbers to somebody you don't trust. Right. Along with your address, you wouldn't send them all the information, but you would send it to a vendor in order to buy something. Right. See, this to you is obvious. You're like, yeah, of course I would send it to that person. Right. But, but you wouldn't send it to the, the unscrupulous person. So you know how, what to hide. You know, you know not to give away the three little numbers on the back of your credit card. Right. But try and explain that to your kids. It's going to take years to explain the credit system, you know, to kids. So, um, so it's not, it's not like it's more difficult. It's, it, it's same level of complexity. It's quite easy. It's open source. You know, that's why it's open source. That's why they can't crack it. Um, so huh. yeah, it's I'll definitely coming. Um, yeah, you have you already have Bitcoin, man. You have more than me, so you're you're on your way. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, a little. But bit I of think Bitcoin. we can use it. That's what I'm saying. We can use the technology um, to to break through. You know, it's disruptive technology. It's disruptive. It is going to disrupt the hell out of everything. Like I promise. Like it's going to disrupt. Um, so I want to get in at the ground level um, and orient it the movement or whatever towards, towards science. Cause right now, all I taught, I didn't see any, there was no mention of science, science at the last two conferences I was at. There's nothing. They didn't talk about education. Hmm. They didn't talk about science. Uh, all they talked about was, you know, finance, sports, play to earn, pay to earn games, you know, different types of games, casinos, you know, there was <laughs> after a while, I was like going crazy. Like, 
I wanted to kind of make a scene, you know, and be like, hey, guys, where's the science? But I was there as a media writer. Uh, you know, I didn't want to be like the media guy that got in free and then just starts chanting DSI, you know, decentralized science. That's what I want to create, DSI. Huh. Hey, well, that's interesting. Uh, this this guy makes a really good point as far as stepping back, you know, going backwards in history, the burning of the Alexandria Library. That was like in uh, Caesar's time, I believe, like a thousand year history was burned or something like that, if I remember right, something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah that, that's true. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? So uh, I want to here's a question up here. Are you aware of the 23 minute video? I tried to, to last time I had Lou on the show, I tried to get him to talk about that. Did did have you spoke to him any more about that? Than, no, than I've that? only talked to Lou that one time, you know, which. Um, yeah. Which is probably good, you know, because he has a top secret. He still has a security clearance and he's talking to me. I don't. And yeah, I, I don't know. Could just cause issues. So I think he's just kind of avoided you know, direct online. Yeah, he hasn't. Wait a minute. I've got. Uh, OK, I've got someone that needs to be booted out. I don't have uh, I don't have my. Uh, let me get this. Someone's trying to put webcams up there. Sorry about that, everyone. I, I don't have my uh, moderator in there tonight. So please be kind to me. Um, so here's another question up here. Yeah, I'll answer it while you're looking at it. Yeah. See, Martin Willis live shows. Chris. From Jay Allen, Chris mentioned Lukatsky's book. Does he have a comment on the connection dis discovered between UAP and paranormal events or the hitchhiker phenomena Intel people experienced? Um, yeah, I'm going to Blind Frog Ranch. You know, that's in the Vernal Valley. Um, <laughs> I talked to another guy who was going there and they invited me up there, you know, and initially I was like, I had to think about it. <laughs> uh, and where is that? It's in the Vernal. It's right next to Skinwalker Ranch, Blind Frog Ranch. When are you going there when you're out there? Yeah. Jeez, I'll I might have to make an emergency trip out there. I don't know. If you come, man, I'm just, we, <laughs> we have to get you in. Yeah. It can be my plus one. Uh, actually, Alexei's already my plus one. Yeah. Uh, I'll be dragging someone along with me. It's too. pretty far from, yeah. from Maine, though. It's pretty far. Yeah, I know. That but would be I, awesome. Though. I be feel like, I feel like doing a lot of traveling lately, so... I've been doing a lot of that and I'm enjoying it a lot. So yeah, you should come out. I think it'd be awesome. Um, but uh, let's see, I was answering a yeah. the hitchhiker effect. So yeah. I had to think about it um, because yeah, I mean, after reading that book, I had another partner I was working with yeah, behind the scenes anonymously. Um, and he actually quit because he really? started seeing, yeah, he started seeing orange orbs. Uh, you know, he saw him at like his work and he saw him back at his house. And so, yeah, I mean, and then after read that book, you're like, great, you know, it's this contagious effect. It's going to affect your family. So, yeah, I, th I think you have to consider it, you know, if you're in this field. So, yeah, you know, I mean, had a, I had a long time researcher on, I don't know, a few months ago, and he basically said he got away from this because of things happening. And he's kind of dipping his toe back in the water a little bit. You know, so, um, yeah, uh, luckily I haven't had yeah. anything. I've, yeah. I've had a few times where I thought I saw a UFO, but it ended up being something else, which is fine with me. I'd rather, um, I'd rather know, you know, um, I really don't want to, I, I want to be darn sure that I'm seeing a UFO before I say publicly, I'm seeing a UFO, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. And and one of them, I'm going to see if I kept it here. 
is so bizarre. I hope I kept it on here. Um, because it looks, it looked just exactly, mm, shoot. Oh, yes, I have it right here. Here it goes. And at first, when you're looking at it, it looks like a UFO. Then it looks like two. And this was down in Miami, um, I don't know, in February. Okay, there it goes. You can see it kind of looks like a saucer, right? And it's hard yeah. to see. It's kind of small. But, and then you start to see two and about right here. Uh, where'd it go? Okay, there it comes back as two. You can see the two right there. Um, barely see two. But anyway, that yeah. ended up being a plane pulling a banner behind it. <laughs> and it was just the angles of it turning. And that's yeah. why for a while it looked like two UFOs. So, and that was, I mean, I, I got uh, in Miami up on this ship and I'm looking out and I said, oh my God, I'm here two minutes and I'm seeing a UFO. <laughs> and, uh, but I really don't want to come out and say that I, you know, I want to be, I, I feel like there's a credibility factor here and I really don't want to go down the road of uh, saying I'm seeing a UFO when it can be explained. I'd rather it, it be explained if it can be. And what if it's a UFO though? Would you would you be happy you filmed it? Uh, if I was absolutely unable to, um, you know, say what it was, uh, and then nobody else could help me with it, like uh, there's Mark D'Antonio from MUFON. He's a video analyst uh, for MUFON, and he helps me quite a bit. I had another experience um, when I thought for sure I was seeing something crazy, and he said it looks like it could be a drone even though it was there was high winds or whatever it looked like it could be a drone and i totally agree it's i have really put that in the drone category so uh yeah if something is complete i mean i would love to see when i'm always looking the the one thing my first sighting has done for me it keeps me looking in the sky all the time i'm always looking up mm -hmm. you know other people may be looking at their phone but i'm uh looking up a lot of the time and uh it, it's it is kind of interesting with, uh, you know, the comment you hear a lot out there is, okay, how come we don't really have any really good videos if there's 9 billion phones out there? I don't know if there's that many, but there's quite a few. So, or Can I share my screen, Martin? Oh, please do. Yes. I yeah. saw you were doing something. Yeah. Have you, uh, do you know about Sky360? I do not. Okay, cool. This is... Um... This is one of the companies we're partnering with. So this is. Are you Sky talking about your your the thing that you're doing now? Yeah, the thing I'm not supposed to talk a lot about. Right. Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> but I will because uh, I think it's important. Um, this is Sky360.org. It's citizen science out of Austria, so it's nonprofit. Um, and so basically, what they want to do is is put up these camera systems. Um, hmm. Basically, camera systems all around. The globe. The goal is 150,000 systems around the, around the world. Wow. Um, and basically, this is just the initial. So this is a, a fisheye lens. You see, this is a, yeah. all the way around. Uh, oh, so actual, we're, is that why we're seeing like the cloud and a curvature? Yep. So this is one fisheye lens. You know, it sees the whole sky. I see. And, yep. yep. And the goal, and, and I'll just play this here. You'll see there's a UAP here. This is from uh, one in Houston um, on this date. 
um, and you'll see it stops here, right? Okay. And then it'll it'll start moving again. You see? Oh yeah. So this was uh, now for those of you listening to audio, um, I uh, Chris, if you would send me the link to this website, and I'll put this in the show notes. Definitely, yeah. It's sky three sixty dot org dot org. Okay, sky three sixty dot org. For those yep. of you uh, listening audio, uh, yeah. So in that in that this one particular case. What type of uh, backup systems do they have as far as other things that this could be explained to explain to be? Do they have? I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it's some sort of drone, you know, because huh. if it's in space, um, it, you know, it how does it stop and then start moving again in space? I don't understand that. Um, oh, this is in space, actually. No, no. So we don't oh, know how okay. far away it is. That's the problem. So I'll go back. So this is basically in Houston, you have an enclosure and maybe I'll just go back here and explain a little bit. All right. If I can get out of this uh, full size. Yep. If we have an enclosure here, this thing. All right. So this is one, in, one enclosure. They're trying to put 150,000 of these around the world. So wow. we're designing them now. Yeah. I'm, I've been working with them. Richard Hoff. I interviewed him on my channel. And so we're, we're, what we're seeing here is that is a fisheye uh, image. It's mm -hmm. called material out of this, right? And what, what needs to happen is to tr train the AI using that material you just saw. And that'll, that'll lead in this point to zoom. This is a spin around zoom in camera, right? So this will zoom in and get that HD video <laughs> that everybody's talking about, you know? Um, and so the idea is it's, you put this system out, it's designed to be able to see the ISS, up here mm -hmm. um, and then it, it'll notify it it'll see it like i just showed you right yeah it'll see something weird and the ai will say hey look over here and the other camera will zoom in and zoom in on this thing um, and so the, the the strength will be first you get that hd image right and this this should be doing it all all the time you know, 24 seven. But if we get two, two or more systems in Houston, for instance, if you put another system in Houston, now we can triangulate this. Right? Would and you need how far away two, two systems or three systems? Well, uh, to triangulate, just like your eyes, you need two. I see. But if we get three, it's just going to make the solution better. Now, what about the uh, inclement weather and the fisheye lens and all that how does that yeah so that you're always going to have those issues you know you're going to have to deal with clouds but i'm clouds talking about over. what about snow rain heavy rain things like that i mean exactly that well that's why so what we would do is is basically get interested people right so interested people universities uap groups those types of things around the world uh, that want to put these systems together and and monitor them you know knock the snow off basically care for them um, but the idea is we would provide the funding at least for some of these, oh, you know, for as many that. as, for as many as we can. Like if there's a UAP community in, in LA, you know, a UAP group and they're like, we'll put out five, give us, you know, $25,000 and we can put out five of these systems. Now we can cover all of LA, you know, we cover all of LA, uh, with nine systems, I believe. You now tell me, will this have a central, 
uh, accessibility um, for so anyone can can. Is this another open situation? Yep. Software develop. Yeah, it's non nonprofit. So basically, the hardware uh, right now they're developing the the hardware that you can order, and you just order it on Amazon Global. And then you develop, and then you download the software, which is right now is being developed on for free on GitHub. But that's really what we need is we need the software AI uh, um, integration. Yeah, there's a number of people that have been trying to do this sort of thing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, my friend Chris O'Brien has been working on something like this. Skyhub is it called Skyhub? Uh, Skyhub is uh, no, that's um, I know who you're you're, you're thinking of. Um, he's been on this show a number of times, uh, two or three times. I'm trying to think. Okay. His name's, uh, escaping me right now. I can't, can't remember who it is, but, uh, a great, great guy. I, there's, uh, three or four people that I know that are involved in that one. I'm not sure what Chris O'Brien's is called. Also Mark D'Antonio, who I mentioned earlier is a MUFON, you know, uh, video analyst. He has one he's been working on for, huh. uh, quite a few years. Um, so, uh, all, all really, you know, I mean, the more, the better, as far as I'm concerned, you're talking 150,000 of these out there. There's <laughs> That's what be... he's aiming for. Yeah. That's yeah. what Richard's aiming for. It's awesome. Um, we're going to well, see the idea is, yeah. yeah, you can do it at your house. Um, he's right now they're developing it up to it's one to $5,000, you know? So let's say you, you want to do it for a thousand dollars. You could buy the lower system, but it's much harder to, to, to design a system that works at a thousand dollars. So right now, you know, I think they're working on the $5,000 system. And then mm -hmm. once that fully developed with the software, now they can upload it. Um, yeah. So I just, one last thing is, as you notice here, this is developed, this whole, si these systems here, right? So now they can triangulate um, are developed to be able to see the ISS just to, as a, as a benchmark. Um, so what you wow. can do is if you have a system already developed here, you can turn it around and put it somewhere into a satellite. And now hmm. you can do it from the other side, right? It should all be, um, at least the hardware should work. The problem is the software because now we need new material because your material that you're looking at, you're, you need to train your AI against is not just open sky with a few clouds. You know, now it's like the ground. <laughs> you have tons of different, it's a whole different ball game to deal with looking down. Um, right. But, you know, maybe we just yeah. aim it maybe we aim it straight out, you know, maybe we're not, we don't need to look down, you know, maybe we're going to orient it. So it's looking um, for any UAPs entering the atmosphere or something. I see. So, um, so is it, is, does this thing have like a, a, a motion activation or is it on all the time? Yeah. So the idea is it's on all the time running this. Um, like you saw that image you saw, this is searching all the time. Right. It's a night vision camera. It's mm -hmm. near IR. You know, it's not it's uh, it can see in the day and night. Um, and then the AI is really important just to say, hey, where does it need to look? Because there's always some there's birds, there's bugs, you know, there's yeah. insects always flying across. Like all the things you have to worry about when you're analyzing a video. You know, what would Mick yeah. West say this is? Um, so you have to analyze that out. But it will point out to this. And this has a spinning mechanism in here. Okay, it's like this uh, designed engineer. It can spin fully, uh, constantly, if it needs to, right? You don't want to spin it all the time, obviously. Um, but it will spin, and then it has a zoom-in 
zoom camera now that can zoom in and get us like the HD video um, that we want. Is, is, that's the whole plan. That's um, it. Or that's I one see. Of them. Yeah. No, no. I think that, I think it's actually a, a, a really good idea. Now I had someone on the show way back at some point that was talking about uh, the CubeSat launch hmm. and people investing in that. Have yeah. you ever heard about that whole situation? That's I kind of in in uh, in talks about that. <laughs> We're researching it. Yep, it costs around three hundred fifty thousand to launch a CubeSat. Uh, you can also buy little. You don't. You can get on larger satellites that you can just rent, like a little spot. You know, yeah. you can rent the looking down or looking up. You can wow. actually rent space on a satellite. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that seems think, actually really good. That seems like a really good idea. That if is someone if someone yeah. can train. I don't know if these things are stable or if they rotate, but um, it seems like you could put some equipment on um, that would really get some information. It would seem. Yeah, I mean, these are so this is real UAPs, you know, captured by these uh, by this site. You know, if you imagine we have just if we just had one more, you know, in Houston at that time, and then we can correlate. So the, the point is, if you put out one of these systems, right, if, if we send the money, um, then you, you have to put it on the system. It has to be open source, you know, mm-hmm. and so it will we can correlate it. And now we could say how far away this is. Right. Because the problem is, I can't tell you it could be a drone, maybe, you know, a few thousand feet up just blinking drone, somebody putting it out there. Um, or it could be, you know, if it's 10 miles away, now that makes a big difference, right? So, how, so, how high this thing is. So this this uh, circle that I'm looking at, how many miles would you say that is in, in a diameter? Uh, this is the moon, I think, right? That's like the moon, there's Venus, you know, so this is, there's a building here and then mm-hmm. it looks all the way over. So you're looking at the whole sky right now, the whole sky. Looking at the so whole sky, shy. like if you were if you were there yourself, looking up, you're looking at the entire sky. It, yeah, through like a fisheye lens. You know what a fisheye lens yes. is? Like here's a crane. Yeah, so I can mm-hmm. see the right side. There's some, you know, there's a storm over here going on. And yeah. I can see the left side where that UAP thing just flew. Yeah. Um, so you can see the whole sky here. The problem is, is you can't really break out any details, you know? Yes. Um, because your, your sensor, it, it's all related to the optics, which really relates down to the sensor size. And we don't really have any good infrared sensor technology just because it's not so popular. Um, you know, we have much better optical cameras because we make millions and millions of them for our cell phones and our cameras and everything. But infrared sensors are very are very hard to get. So that's I why could, they're really expensive. I could almost foresee a second generation or a third generation of something like this having a single camera with a telephoto lens that would focus in AI into a moving object that that's it yeah that's our that's the idea so this basically the ai right that we're that we that we need to train using this material um you would say okay ignore this it's the moon you Mm -hmm. know uh ignore this because it is clouds right Mm -hmm. but now this is something weird so we can't identify that. So zoom in on this. And that's where it would tell the zoom camera, look at this angle, you know, this azimuth, this elevation. Hmm. Um, and it would track it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that could be super powerful. And and that's just yeah, it, this is the first generation, so we we just uh, keep keep improving it till we find the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Or till we get at least we can get more evidence. I think everyone whether however you look at it, we can get more evidence. And for these systems now, um, in order to identify something um, or in order to call something unidentified, you have to try and identify it as everything else. Right. Um, so you can use these systems for regular science, right? You can use mm-hmm. it for, to track bird migrations, if that's what you're into, or you want to track star, you know, meteors, you can track uh, meteor impacts um, so that we can get a lot of other data for this. You know, the actual sky 360 org is for citizen science um but ultimately it's towards finding unidentified aerial phenomena is, is i you know i know richard i think he's organized towards that but in mm-hmm. order to do that you need to get all this other science so we can still use it still be beneficial yeah i you know you have to go along the lines of guilty until proven innocent and innocent would only mean that it's unidentified you know you have to look constantly try to play devil's advocate of every which way of what it is. Now, when I'm, not, when I'm looking at this, I'm seeing a steady flashing light, which would make me think that, you know, unless this is doing really strange maneuvers, that it's probably some type of uh, either aircraft or, like you said, drone, something like that. Um, you see the way that light is strobing? Isn't that typical for an aircraft? Yeah, there's one other. I think earlier in this this one, there is an aircraft. If you look, there's one here. This is a aircraft. Oh, I see. Wow, it looks a lot bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was a helicopter. Huh. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I wish uh, yeah. that that's that's another interesting thought. Um, I think one of the things that would really help this. Um, compared to other situations that I've listened to people explain that this is going to have a numbers thing. You, if you actually do get 150,000 of these things out there, um, I mean, that's, that's ambitious. But, yeah. Yeah. Super ambitious. Yeah. But if you do, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of times when I've been out looking for meteors or something, I have this silly thought. I wonder if you could have a camera here for the last, thousand years what you would see go overhead and um you know i I think of things like that just because i do and um this kind of is going to do that you know it's going to have a lot of uh eyes up into the sky which is uh i think a great idea yeah i love it's open source you know yeah anyone can look at it and would that mean that anyone can look at it even if they don't have money invested Yes. Yeah, definitely. The whole point is open source. So get the information. The whole point is open source. You know, I I think maybe if we need to some size, make it more profitable, because the bottom line, if something's profitable, it's going to happen. You know, (laughs) the things that don't, if it's profitable, it it needs to be stopped by some force of government or movement, you know, it has to be stopped. Um, So I want to make it profitable in some way. If and that may take, you know, delaying the information slightly. If there's some benefit to citizen scientists, because I know there is a lot of benefit to meteors. You know, if you can tr- actually uh, track down where a meteor impacts the ground, um, they're very valuable. Yes, they are. 
Yeah, yes. I think it was thousands of dollars per gram. Yeah, you, you can know, get so, it's pretty easy to get twenty grand for a media right. You know, yeah, twenty grand. I I, I heard much more, right? Three hundred. No, but I mean, for a little media right, you can hold in your time. hand. You can get twenty grand for it. I've heard that, um, and I've I've been at a house. I'm not going to say who it is, but he's a UFO researcher. We have several of them, and some of them are pretty big. He's been collecting for a very long time. Uh, pretty amazing to see them. Yeah, they're big money, I guess. Um, they're big money. You can tell basically how they enter, where they came from, uh, where they're formed. Um, you know, if they came from the asteroid belt, some of them have come from Mars. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's already uh, American Meteor Society. They have a program like this. Um, but all they do is this level. You know, they just have this level because all they need is where's the giant rock going? You know, they're yeah. not trying to get the HD video. Yeah. Um, and they have, we need real time. Uh, we need real time processing also because we need to cue the AI onto this one sensor. And that's why they're using one sensor. You can get higher resolution and less AI processing. Um, so we're going to use this one sensor to cue the HD, you know, zoom in camera, but it's got to be real time. So that's kind of where, that's where the AI is coming in. We're, we're kind of like the cutting edge stuff, but all this is, you know, this is all doable technology. You know, really the one little thing we got to get through is the AI, which mm -hmm. is tough, but AI is coming along so fast. I, and um, the, the, the experts I've talked to say, yeah, it's, it's doable for sure. Yeah. I mean, you only have to train it one time for one, you know, situation type of thing. So it can be done, but it's, a, it's still a lot of hours. I'm sure tons and tons. Yeah, I think you need, as far as I understand it, you need the exact material. You know, we have to use this sensor uh, to train the AI neural network. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take it takes time. It's going to take energy. But we have, uh, you know, the people are doing it. And yeah, he, he does. Every, he has a Patreon, <laughs> Sky360. But really, it's just going to Sky360.org on their Discord is really how they organize. And so you can go there. You can just say, hey, I'm interested. I want to get involved. And then, you know, you got to kind of read up and see where you can fit in. But yeah, they're, it's team grassroots engineers, man. So cool. I love it. So nerdy and so cool. Maybe I should put one on my boat this summer. I would, <laughs> I want to put it on oil derricks. I think that would be sweet. I think that would be a great idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine? Get away from the light pollution. Yeah. Hmm. All right. You're going to pull this screen down? Yeah, sorry, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't. That's all right. So we have um, we have a question up here going all the way back to you mentioned remote viewing, which uh, I think is pretty interesting because uh, there seems to be something to that. Let's see. Uh, ask Chris if he's aware of <laughs> high level remote that. viewing groups focuses on crypto. Are you crypto. familiar with this particular one? I haven't. Focuses on run by Dick Algar and Daz Smith. No, I haven't heard. I That's think a shame. Heard what do they do? They remote view I, uh, the I, future. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking. Think of this. Um, I mentioned um, uh, so Bitcoin. The way it works is each computer it's mining for a certain random number inside of a very large group of random numbers. Right. So That's called a two fifty six hash or SHA, however to say it. Um, I was thinking though, if you could use remote viewing. Right. And you could tell your computer uh, which like bottom third, middle third or upper third of that number to look for. You know, could the computers have an advantage? Um, basically, hmm. could you use human, <laughs> you know, if it's possible, remote viewing 
human remote viewing in conjunction with the computer to get the answer to break through cryptological uh, things? Would that be possible to remote view whatever numbers coming up next? So that that Bitcoin, uh, you know, would actually that miner uh, would get the answer faster. That you could, could that could hurt could the network. Do that, um, yeah, with lottery numbers too, you'd be doing really well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, ha, let's see. Have you seen? I saw this documentary years ago. What the bleep do we know? Did you ever see that? No, I haven't oh, seen it. It's really fascinating. And I don't know how that relates to any of this. I'm just looking through questions. And thank you for those who put them in caps. Someone said, Martin, do a video when you're there. Uh, I am here, by the way. This is me. Hello. I am here. Uh, maybe someone thought this was a pre-record or not or, or something like that. Um, and what do you think about someone wants to know, what do you think about the Tic Tac video in general? You did a lot of work on yeah. that. Yeah, I've done many, many videos, gone into, I think, too much depth, actually. <laughs> I think um, I think people have gotten wrapped around the axle of, like, is it rotating? Is it glare? You know, they've been able to kind of describe the the narrative, you know. Um, but I, well, I, would, I might actually make a video about it this week. Is and, and the pilot yeah. testimony, to me, is some of the best um, for David Fravor and Alex Dietrich to listen to both of them talk about it. I don't think it gets better than that, really. I mean, as yeah. a fellow pilot, you must have respect for that, I would think. That's what really turned me on to this whole subject was Fravor's initial interview. That was it. I mean, he, he yeah. gave that interview and I like felt like I was there, you know, seeing it. It was amazing. And yeah, I mean, the other three combined people. Um, I guess what's been interesting to me on the on the whole Tic Tac is the, I guess, the bigger picture on it. You know, if you listen to Kevin Day, they they were tracking them from space. Uh, they picked them up with the anti-ballistic missile defense system. And so that's how they knew they were seeing these things. They thought maybe they were spurious contacts. And then they came down from 80,000 feet. If you remember that, that's the radar, the Navy yeah. Spy 1 radar. It could, it could see, you know, uh, up to 80,000 feet. And so they tracked these from space, right, in groups of, I think they said, 15 to 20 contacts. Uh, and then they go to 80,000 feet and then go to 28,000 feet and then go, you know, sea level back up to 28,000 feet. They also say they just, they would track south, you know, just directly south at 28,000 feet at a hundred knots. You know, it's just. And a hundred knots is very slow for anything. You can't stay airborne. I mean, I think you have to go over that in a small plane. I used to fly a little bit. Um, yeah. I think you have to go like 120 or something like that. I can't remember what it is to stay airborne. But 100 knots is yeah. too slow. It, yeah, it's because at, at 18,000 feet, there's half as much air. Right, right. Yep. So, so you don't... yeah, if you go up to 28,000 feet, there's less than a quarter as much air than, than there is at sea level. Yeah. You know, that I, I assume there's less than a quarter. Uh, yeah, quite a bit less. And so you can't just go 100, you can't just go 100 knots because there's not enough air to hold you up the way our planes work, you know, because yeah. we create lift by moving through the air. Uh, but if there's not enough air there, uh, you have to actually go faster uh, to maintain the same amount of lift. And that's why the Mach number does the whole weird, right? Because Mach doesn't matter uh, your altitude, right? It somehow gets around the compression. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so that's it. So at 28,000 feet, there's just not enough air to only go 100 knots. That, that's what's really weird. You know, that's why helicopters can't go very high. If you Helicopters yeah. cannot, I think the, the highest helicopter has maybe gone to 40,000 feet at the most. Um, and that's, you know, they can't rescue people off, 
off uh, Mount Everest. You know, you're screwed on Mount Everest. The re- it's yeah. it's because helicopters can't get to you. Hmm. You know, so yeah, they can't get up. Nothing can get up there at that low speed. is is very surprising, except for like a balloon, right? If you're doing like a that's why the weather balloon. Yeah, uh, it's very hard to to uh, to de debunk is the weather balloon. Um, yeah. So if if the as as a pilot yourself, knowing that you break, I forget exactly what the speed of sound is, seven hundred fourteen miles an hour or something like that. I you you, it changes, you know what yeah. it is. At yeah. uh, sea level, it's, I think, 650, 650 miles per hour. But up in the air, yeah. it's... But at 28,000 feet, it's only going to be like um, 450. Oh, is that how that works? So yep. so anyway, when you're talking about these Tic Tacs um, shooting at that type of speed and there's no sound barrier, what do you make of something like that? Some people are saying a hologram thing. You know, um, what are your thoughts about the hologram thing and how could a hologram show up on radar? That's the biggest gotcha. Yeah, the hologram can't show up on radar that that we understand how that would work. Hmm. So that's why the multiple contacts. Yeah, see, you know, people seeing it from different directions. And if we see it in different spectrums of the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, if you see it in infrared uh, and you see it optically and you see it with radar, it really seems like something's there, you know, especially radar. I mean, well, I guess everything has to bounce the light waves back. Uh, but radar, yeah, it bounces back. And so what are your thoughts about not breaking the sound barrier? What What do you think about that? I mean, it's it breaks my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It breaks. Because how does it, uh, because not breaking the sound barrier, like I mentioned earlier, you know, no sound, not breaking the sound barrier. So not breaking the sound barrier, the, the reason you have this mock, you know, is because the air molecules get pushed against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're getting pushed against each other so fast um, that it creates this this shock wave, like a uh, pocket or something, right? Or- yeah, basically, the the sound cannot travel fast enough to get out of your way. You know, if mm. you're going the speed of sound, right? You're yelling; it can't get it, you can't yell fast enough <laughs> for it to get out of the way. So, so when you yell, it just builds up. That yell just builds up. You know, if you're running the speed of sound. Um, the yell will just build up and that will create this uh, shock wave, essentially. It's a, hmm. um, and so it, it really, that's what it's caused by is something pushing through the air. So the air being moved out of the way uh, in a, you know, it's being pushed. Um, but when there's no sound and there's no shock wave, it's, it, if it is moving the air out of the way, it's putting it back with it with zero really kind of change. You know, it's sliding, sliding through it or sliding around it, or it's, acting like a light, you know, yeah. it, it acts like a wave. That's what I was kind of considering is it's more like a wave where, um, yeah, it passes through. <laughs> it's not acting like a particle where you can run into it because waves you can stack, you know, I can, you can put two lights together. That's why we use fiber optic cables. You know, it's just so much more effective um, because you can just keep stacking light. You can just make the light more intense um, because light can stack. It acts like a wave. Um, but if you're using particles, yeah, you can't do that. So it's almost like no sound, no pushing through the air. It feels like a wave to me or yeah, like light. We think of it like light is how you would describe it, you know? Um, but then it seems like it's particle, right? It's bounce, stuff's bouncing off of it. So it's, it's acting like both, you know, again, we're back to uh, quantum mechanics. It's a yeah. wave, it's a particle. I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the mystery of, of, of the whole thing, actually. It makes it so, so interesting in general. 
Um, here's a question. And by the way, we're going to be opening the lines, the phone lines here. Let me just make sure. Yep, Bill is okay. Uh, so we're going to be opening up the phone lines here in just a minute. A question here. Um, have you figured out that there are several non-human intelligence living in our oceans? That's that's something. Let's talk a little bit about. I mean, not in that in particular. I mean, you're welcome to answer that. But yes. I mean, the ocean's another part of it. And here you are, a Navy guy. Um, yeah. Well, I was yeah. Air Force, but yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Sister. Sorry. I, you're totally right. Yeah, I am so way. embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I know. That's the worst thing I could say to an Air Force guy. I'm sorry. Um, but um, I know this rivalry between the guys. Army. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i'll be hearing about this for a while uh, <laughs> me too brother <laughs> but anyway uh so what are your thoughts about you know the, the intermedia it can go in and i mean it's kind of the same thing as this the the shockwave it's a very similar thing it can just go through the the media without any slowing down apparent slowing down or anything or or splash just another strange really strange thing. Yeah, I've seen that. I guess the only two I've really investigated was the Aguadilla, so the Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting that one for probably sure. the best video yeah. of, this, you know, going in the water and then it splits. It splits, yeah. That's a great video. I mean, that, yeah, that's a that's a really good, um, really good one. The SCU did an amazing report on that. That's kind of the start of the SCU was on that particular was one. Was it? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was a great, yeah, that really was a, a yeah, I started investigating it, and then I I was doing this the calculations between the GPS lat long suit this super painful calculation. I was like, oh man, this is gonna suck. And then I found their report. I was like, thank God they had they had done Someone all that did it already difficult stuff. Yeah, I was like, oh man, yeah. yeah, it's a lot easier to look at it and be like, okay, yeah, that it's correct, you know, um, than it is to just crunch through all these numbers. So I was very happy that one and the uh, the Catalina Islands one um in 2019 oh. Oh. yeah with the uh oh, okay omaha it was the omaha ship that's right jeremy corbell released those three videos yeah that was like someone's video camera someone's phone camera or something yeah i guess that. it was the right? viper team the visual reconnaissance teams that they send out if, you know if something weird happens i guess uh and they videoed in the in the bridge uh and it, it's that orb going you know the black and white video and the orb goes underwater uh yes appears yep. to yeah yeah those are the yeah. only two I've really investigated. You know, it seems like not much information has been out, but I hear all these crazy stories. I hear all these crazy rumors, you know, of things moving really fast underwater, like large things or coming out of the ocean. You know, you hear about these, uh, a, a giant triangle, right? That's that's probably one of the more interesting ones I would love to see um, is in 2019 in the classified report that went out, the intelligence classified report that went out before the... Uh, 25 June. Uh, uh, preliminary. It was a year before that. There was a 2019 uh, intelligence, I guess, classified. <laughs> I, I don't know what they call it, but it, it went viral. Did you, did you hear about that? I did, yeah. Yeah, in that actual, uh, I, another debrief article mentions that. But no pictures it, seen yet. No picture, yeah. But in the yeah. class, that what they said is the, Several people he talked to, several witnesses or people that saw the, who read it, said that the, the best picture was this triangle coming out of the ocean. You know, right. Or I would love to see that. So, um, you know, it makes you wonder if 
that is being viewed by these people that are involved in this new task force. Um, you know, if they see a picture like that, isn't that pretty convincing? That would seem like that would be a very convincing picture. I mean, think. it sure seems like it. I mean, it, yeah, because what we've we haven't seen any true form yet. You know, I mean, the Tic Tac. Yeah. It, how else would you describe a Tic Tac? You know, it's smooth, round, you know, yeah. um, but I guess you could say that it's, oh, it's nothing really, or it's just blurry, or it's kind of roundish, you know, but if it's just a triangle, you know, if it's a large triangle and it has clearly fine orbs at each point, at each apex, mm -hmm. you know, and there's water coming off of it as it comes out of the ocean. I, I don't know. That would be pretty, pretty convincing to me. I don't know how you else you would explain that. Yeah. Maybe why they haven't shown it, you know, because that hasn't come out. I was we, we've seen some other photos, but not that one. Yeah. I wonder why, you know, you have to think their motive is for um, security reasons, you know, to to keep anything like that out. But I wonder what would be the security implication of showing a picture of something like that. Would that be that we couldn't protect ourselves from it? I mean, what would be what's a, why would that be withheld is what I'm getting at because uh they have no answer for what it is perhaps that's it I think of it more as just what's their um why would they release it hmm you know there's there's no benefit to the government you know? okay that's a good point because yeah. they already have all the info that or they think they have all the info at least you know um, and so if they want it, why would, why would they release it? I, okay. So that's why I think it really yes. needs to be driven. You know, Congress is very effective, uh, because they, you know, they have to be asked, I think, <laughs> you know, they're not just going to walk around and be like, I think we should release this information that's classified and, you know, controversial just out into the public space. You know, I think it's exactly the opposite. Well, we have a caller. Uh, let's take our caller here. Um, I would like to also know, you know, I mean, if if they do have this very clear picture of this coming out of the water. Uh, wait, uh, hang on just a minute. We got, let me mute this. If we do, if they do happen to have that picture of this thing coming right out of the water. Mostly they do. very clear. Does that mean? Right out of the water. I know it's from an F-18 and reportedly yes. he saw it come out of the water. Oh, I got it. But still, you just it makes you wonder, does the government know more about this of what they are? Is that's the big question. Do they know what mm. they are and what they want? Do they know any more about that than we do? Um, I'm just I want your thoughts on that before I take this caller. Uh, Frank, thanks for calling and hang in there. We'll get right to you. I mean, to me, it sounds like no. Um, I think they, they obviously know more than we know. I think they have a lot more evidence, but I think it's been so compartmentalized and broken up into different little parts and sections that, you know, I, yeah. I think there's probably very few people that even know how much information the government actually even knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, you know, I, I'm, I'm more or less with you there on, on all that really. And that's what Lou says. It's all, he said, it's basically understanding. That's what we need now. Yeah, um, I think it would be we can get a lot quicker to understanding if they would give us the evidence that they have. Right. You know, <laughs> or at least some of it, like, yeah, or at least something more. It, I mean, it sounds like they will. Um, it seems like it's taken a long time. Yeah. The three the three main questions. What are they? Why are they here? What do they want? 
you know, those are, that would be all nice to be nice to know one of those three. Yes. <laughs> or, or all three of them. All right. We have uh, Frank calling from South Texas. Frank, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Frank, are you there? Frank. Frank, we can't hear you. I got him. Yeah, I guess. Uh, all right, Frank, we, uh, I don't, Bill, can you hear me? I don't know what's going on, but we're not hearing Frank. We heard him before with a whole bunch of background. Now we don't hear anything. Bill, I don't know if that's anything you're doing. Um, he's trying to get him on, but yeah, I, it's, it's awful hard to know. Uh, Frank, just jump in if you, if you are, are back on there. And the line is open. Anyone else want to call? That number is 855-472-5483. Bill is standing by. I remember when all the way back in 2011, when I started this show, I wrote something like that in my text of like there. I, I believed at that time that I believed that some part of the government probably knows something more about this or something along those lines. Frank, are you there? Frank, you are live on the air. <laughs> He's going to watch this later. And just okay. Yes, hey, Frank. Frank. I think we hear your voice, Frank. We need to hear from you. All right. I'm going to have to bump you out. Sorry, Frank. Your last chance. I'm going to guess. I still don't hear anything. Oh, he's not hearing us, Bill. That's what it is. He's not hearing us, Bill. So, uh, Bill, uh, we may have to uh, take care of that in the uh, phone line somehow, uh, how it goes on KGRA. But uh, so, Bill, just so you know, he's not hearing us. Uh, sorry about that, Frank. I don't know if we'll get that ironed out or not. Uh, for now, I'm going to take down the phone number. Probably shouldn't take any calls until that gets straightened out. But <clears throat> all right, here's here's the other question for you. So we don't know whether or not anyone knows any more than, uh, than we know. Do you think there'll ever be a time in our society down the road? Let me, before I finish this question, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and just say that I watched a video back in the 1950s and this guy, he looks like he's about 70 years old. Then he goes, I just want to live long enough to know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you think that'll that day will ever come? Do you think we'll ever, you know, I don't want to use the disclosure word, but I want to use the word. Do you think it, the day will ever come that we'll know what these things are that we're, so many people have seen over the years? I hope yeah. so. I think so. I don't, you know, I last, before this time, this time last year, I would have said no, never, yeah. you know? So I think it's changing so fast. I think we're moving in. The, the, this is the information age, you know, and it, yeah. if it's true and if it's there, that they're not going to be able to keep it secret. It's just not good. We're in the information age, you know? Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> so would think like, so. You would think yeah. so. I'm going to try another, another call and see if uh, Bill was able to fix that. This is yeah. Steve from Washington state. Steve, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Steve, can you hear me? No dice. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we got you. Can you hear us? All right, guys, I'm not hearing you at all. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Well, uh, 
tell no. uh, Bill, no. Bill, thanks, Steve. And uh, sorry about that, everyone. Um, there's something wrong with the phone line. We tested it earlier. Uh, it seemed to work fine, but that's that's the way it goes. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, and so, you know, it would be nice to know, but I'm not really sure if if that's necessary. And, you know, maybe it's a bunch of different things, too. Maybe we might get an explanation for one thing, but there may be other things involved that we may not even be able to understand. How do you like that? Yeah, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I was talking with Rather rather Be Squidding uh, last night, and he was saying that it may be just unknowable, you know, that we can't know it. I yeah. I tend to think that we're going to, when I talked to Leslie Kane, she said it's much more complex than 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 we think, is, is was her impression. You know, I kept asking her, what do you think? She trying to avoid the question. Um, but I kind of got <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, she always does try to avoid. She doesn't, never wants to say. Yeah. Yeah. She never wants to say ET. She's very careful. Yeah. Or I guess she doesn't, I, I guess Lou said the same thing. He's like, it doesn't really matter what I think. It's what I can show or actually prove or, um, yeah, convince other people. So, but yes, yeah, she's definitely not uh, convinced maybe, maybe herself, but her point was it's much more complex. I think she'll find that it's related to life after death. She was studying life after death and right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so she just thinks it's way more complex. So I think it'll be a, we will learn, you know, facts as we go. It'll be a learning process of expand. That's why I'm also widening my net, you know, of what I'm looking at. Um, I'm not just analyzing, you know, the gimbal, did it, did it, uh, did it rotate or not? You know, because I think that's it's useful, but I almost think we're kind of past that at this point where now it's all right. What is this thing? What can we learn about it? So I, I think we yeah. I think it'll be a gradual learning process to, to some end. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But that's not normally how it works, right? Normally, disruptive information just flips everything on its head. Yeah. Like uh, people always say about the White House line, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Why would they choose that? Uh, I wouldn't be. Uh, anyway, uh, benevolent or malevolent? That is the other question is, uh, you know, you hear occasionally you hear things uh about, um, you know, issues with people's health, people were hurt, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. But for the most part, I would think that if whatever it is, is here from whatever they're coming from, wherever they're coming from, they could certainly do a lot more damage than has been done, I would think. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're the like the anthill and their uh, higher intelligence like us walking by could kick the sand a little bit. And yeah. You see a lot. Well, you hear uh, terrible stories from uh, experiencers, you know, they're kind of like plagued their whole lives and, you know, passes down genetics. Um, well, yeah. well, right, right. But it uh, doesn't see, it doesn't seem necessarily uh, malevolent, I guess. It almost just seems like force of nature, you know, um, I guess is a tornado malevolent or is it benevolent? <laughs> I guess. It's yeah. probably, I, yeah, I mean, there's no, uh, I guess, motive for the tornado, but True. it tear, destroys your whole town and kills everyone you know, you know, or uh, just as an example, but um, it seems like it's more of a force of nature, I guess, is, is right. my impression, but. Yeah, you know, we're going to give Frank another try. 
We'll give cool. him one more yeah. try. Bill says, give him one more try. Frank, you are on the line from South Texas. Do you hear me? Yes, I do. Awesome. You can hear us now. All right. Hi, Frank. Welcome to Hi, the Frank. show. Sorry about that. Welcome, man. Yeah. You got a question for our guest? Sometimes he works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, Chris, by the way, really thanks for all the work you've been doing in the and uh, went. <laughs> you're welcome, man. Yeah, yes. you're welcome. Okay. So basically, with the different uh, way um, craft can go from one to another. I I think about the, the description that uh, Bob Lazar talked about when he was working on the crap that he was working on, that there's a way to, the way he's describing it, it almost sounds like he's aiming a gravity well, and the crap that you're in falls into that well. So it doesn't matter what, what media you're in, whether it's air, space, water, it just takes you takes you from one point to the, to the other. So you're basically existing out of space time, and therefore you're not subject to sonic booms. I mean, mm. have you thought? Have you all thought about that? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, I've I know Lazar is controversial. You know, yes. he's a controversial guy. I don't believe uh, in him. Yeah, so I know Martin <laughs> doesn't <laughs> doesn't believe, and, and I, you know, I trust Martin. I don't know, but. Uh, very interesting how he talks about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the concept uh, doesn't, it, it seems to make sense. I mean, the, when you're able to, I mean, I've actually, years back, I actually got to see a, what I thought it was a shooting star, make a 90 degree turn at a 45 degree turn wow. and realized it was a big star. Cool. And the, the way you're able to defeat inertia is to be outside of space time. And so that's how I figure that these, this phenomena is being, being able to do what it does, is that it, it's the way I'm thinking about it is shooting a gravity well in whatever direction, and you're, you're not subject to the laws of physics as we know them. Yeah, exactly. He says, um, Salvatore Pais, I was also looking at his patents. Which are which are very interesting, uh, and they were kind of similar. So I don't know where actually where he got the uh, the ideas for it, uh, but you know my rudimentary understanding of it is that uh, at least Lazar said that you can use a waveguide to aim the gravity waves, just like microwaves. Uh, right. Yeah. Back in that time, when you know eighty nine, I guess when he said that, I believe it was eighty nine. Um, they hadn't invented or they hadn't found gravity waves yet, right? We hadn't actually observed them with our scientific instruments, but they'd been postulated for many years. You know, I think I think Einstein talked about uh, gravity waves being possible. Um, I, at least I know they were they were uh, postulated for many decades previously. So he could have come up with that, you know, from some sort of science fiction book, I guess. Um, well. As it turns out, science seems to follow science fiction about yeah. overnight over a period of time. Yeah, I mean, that would be it, right? And so what they found in 2015 at the LIGO is that uh, it, wherever it is, Montana, uh, anyway, that what they found is that there are gravity waves 
they detected them. I mentioned with the laser, Martin, you know, I was talking about the, it's an interferometer. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, you just shoot a laser down a long hallway, four kilometers, and then you, you time right. it when it comes back. And so they have two long hallways, 90 degrees apart. Uh, and the laser should come back at the exact same time. Right. But if they don't, now you can say there's gravity waves. Um, and so they and prove that. That's what I was talking about in space, right? Because in space, the reason they put it, 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 it's four kilometers, is they have to suck out the air to make it a vacuum. But in space now, we can do it like a thousand kilometers. Um, maybe mm-hmm. make it even, uh, you know, try and listen. You know, actually listen to see if, if we're receiving any any uh, transmissions, you know, at that at that wavelength. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's very interesting. And in Salvatore Pais, his his uh, high um, high frequency gravity wave generator, that's what it is. That's what he does to actually excite the outside of the craft. Um, he calls it a vacuum state. But it, yes, exactly. And and also why I was interested in that telekinesis, right? It shows that there's some other way to transmit information, at least, uh, than what we can see, what we know. So cool. That gets back to I guess being able to have a uh, your your uh, significant other self on the other end of the universe, correct? Is that what you're referring to? Um, I don't know. I guess it'd be harder to get. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Able to set thought beyond yes. the speed of light. Exactly. Yep. So that would that would show. Uh, and we're considering um, actual scientific experiments to to prove that, right? To find that, that would be part of this. We're looking for evidence of UAPs as well, but I think you can do many cheaper experiments to actually go, you know, for this psych, uh, psychic connection because it, we all have a brain, uh, <laughs> you know, so we can all do, so we can all participate maybe in some of these, in these experiments. If we do like a mass experiment to prove the psychic connection, yeah, you can, just shows there's more than we know, which obviously there's more than we know. Yeah. Well, well hey. thank you for the, uh, putting my uh, my question or two. Uh, I'm really thankful for the conversation. Thank you. Thanks yeah. a lot. Thanks, Frank. And that's all the time we have for uh, calls this evening. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting, and I think you know, I think we know very, very. I, I say this probably too much very little about what's really going on around us. We know just a little tiny fragment of what there is to know. That's uh, probably right in front of us. And we just can't figure out what it is. And that includes UAPs as well. So, so Chris, we're, we're sort of at the end of, you know, wrapping up the show. We've got about, you know, three and a half minutes or something like that. So if you would um, talk about how people can find your, YouTube channel. It's down in the notes of the show notes as well as down on the uh, YouTube and Facebook uh, down in there on the text of the program. All you have to do is click on that link. But uh, go over some of the shows, some of the, if you can, I don't know if you can pull up your site right there. And, yeah. Uh, talk can, uh, about some of the titles and some of the shows you have in the last few minutes we have here. Uh, and don't yeah. forget everyone, uh, next week I'm going to be over at James Fox uh, compound over in Vermont, and we're going to be filming live, doing the show live right there, and uh, should be should be a lot of fun. Uh, that's a high energy guy right there. I'll tell you, James Fox. So, uh, sorry, I just <laughs> actually I'll have as a uh, this. It's kind of tricky sometimes to find your channels, but you have you did a show on dark matter, which I really 
Oh, here really we go. My channel liked a lot. Uh, you know, I think it's really funny yeah. that uh, a lot of people that are skeptical or have been, well, for instance, I've had uh, Seth Shostak on, I think, three times on this show, and he's very skeptical about any part of the, uh, you know, UAPs, UFOs, whatever you want to call them. But yet, you know, he thinks it's really something to dark matter. And, yeah. it's, and it's a, a thing that we can't physically see, touch. There's the only evidence we have is the reactionary things that are happening out in the universe. That's really it. So this is, uh, this is. And uh, 95%. It's not even that there's a little bit of dark matter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, no, there's 80% of what we see is dark matter. Or seven, other, I think it's 73% if I have that of yeah. all. Right? Is that what it, it is? Something like that. Yeah. And then the other twenty something percent is dark energy. So it it's really <laughs> just ninety it's ninety-five percent of the stuff we, we don't know what it is. Isn't that so crazy? Should, yeah. Yeah. So, and they don't they don't they don't think their models are wrong, you know? Right. It's like, yeah, if you if you try to do Google Maps on a flat earth, you know, basically you I bet you're gonna be ninety five percent off. You probably won't even be ninety five percent off, you know. Uh <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but yeah, these, yeah. So I make, uh, I've been making uh, these fighter pilot videos, essentially. Um, what I use digital combat simulator is a free to use. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. Love it's that. super cool. feels like I, you're really I, flying in that thing. It feels like you're really flying in that thing, man. When you're yeah. flying it, I, I do enjoy it. I, you know, I'd miss flying, uh, I bet you do. I retired a couple years ago. And so it's cool to get back in the jet and yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, and talk to Elizondo, uh, Leslie Keen. So I have a few interviews over there. Um, she's amazing, Leslie Keen. Yep. You know, there, there's yours, right? Awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, getting back to yeah, we have just a minute here, but getting yep, back sure. to to flying, I can't imagine how exciting that must be. So exciting to have the acceleration and to be able to have that at your command. Oh my God, that that would be such a dream to be able to do something like that. Yeah, you, it, it. I mean, the the simulators these days are amazing, really amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's exact. It is. It looks exactly. Obviously, you know, you can't simulate the feel and the G's and all that, and the, the sweating and yeah. the anxiety. You know, but uh, uh, but you can simulate everything else. It looks the same. The the, the switches almost exactly the same. It's, it's it's cool. Yeah, I would check yeah. it out. You're into all flying. Right, we we have to wrap. So thanks so much. And remember, next week, James Fox tomorrow night, Skinwalker Ranch, same time, right here on YouTube. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And Thank uh, you, Martin. You, Thanks to everybody who's here. Thanks for being yeah, here. Guys. You bet. And you're always welcome on the show. Take care. All right, everyone. So keep your eyes to the sky and we'll see you next week.